welcome along to another edition of the Celtic View podcast. The league season is over, but we're all getting ready for the Scottish Cup final this weekend. And we're also sitting here in the back of Celtic women winning the Scottish Cup final in the, the weekend there. Uh, as ever, joined by our Celtic editor Paul Cuddehy. Paul, um, yeah, sitting here again as winners of the Scottish Cup for the women's team. What an achievement. I think it's a good place just to, to start. Well, it was a, a brilliant Celtic weekend, to be fair, with Trophy Day on Saturday here. Brilliant atmosphere, brilliant performance, and then obviously lifting the trophy. You know, everybody had a, a great celebration on Saturday, and then we carried that on on Sunday with uh, what was a, an impressive performance. It's always going to be a tough game, um, but a, a great crowd, majority of which were Celtic fans again, and they saw a great performance. And, you know, it's always good to win a derby game, but to win the Scottish Cup, retain it. And then for the first time, for it to be at Hamden, for us to be the first winners of it, it was just tremendous. It was a brilliant weekend of celebrations and I think everybody's going to be hoping that this weekend is going to be exactly the same. The last game of the season at Hamden Park against Inverness and we're going to get right in amongst it. We're going to chat about the women's team a little bit later on, but to preview this Scottish Cup final, we do have an interview coming up with Ryan Christie, a man who won the Scottish Cup with Inverness and of course won the Scottish Cup with us as well so make sure you stay tuned for that but yeah Scottish Cup final Saturday it's always it's always a d- the date in the calendar I think uh, alongside some other fixtures it's always a date where you look at and go when's the Scottish Cup final you can't wait to get to it it's the one thing you're looking forward to and then the week we're in at the moment the weather's been quite good you start getting excited about that it's just it's always an exciting occasion the week leading up to Scottish Cup final isn't it yeah and I've actually checked the weather for the weekend (laughs) so it's meant to be Hamden in the sun which is obviously perfect as well we've got the added sort of incentive of winning to win another treble as well which is incredible so I think everything and I think because of the performance at the weekend I think we just emphasised again our quality and absolutely blew Aberdeen away. So I think Inverness would have known it was a tall order anyway, but I haven't watched that game at the, at the weekend. I mean, I, I heard an interview with their manager, Billy Dodds, who was talking about, you know, I don't know if it was the fairy tale of the, the Scottish Cup or the fact that miracles sometimes happen, because I think that's probably what they'll reflect on that they'll need. Um, I think we're going as overwhelming favourites. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. The last game of the season, the chance to win the the cup again we are the most successful team in that competition by a long way so yeah looking forward to it I mean to, to have the, the possibility of going for another treble we're not going to get too much into the, the chat about it but just to think that would be our eighth treble and for so many for a generation now of Celtic fans currently who are maybe in their early teens or a little bit older 20s or myself kind of that age as well kind of all you've known is, is seeing Celtic win trebles and it's I mean it's incredible what we've what we've achieved really over the last however many years it'll be now since we kind of really started winning trebles quite regularly but to have the opportunity to do it again it's just it's an incredible feat because it's something that as much we've done quite a lot of them recently it, they still shouldn't be squashed the achievement of, of being in the position to go for it and then hopefully having the chance to do it. Yeah, and we were doing the, the Celtic TV commentary at the weekend, myself and Tom Boyd, and who has won the treble, obviously, with Martin Neal's team back in 2001. And, and the point he was making, which I think a lot of people make, is so over the course of the season, the best team in Scotland are the champions, and generally that's us, and you do that over 38 games. It's the, the challenge of the cup competitions because, obviously, it's the luck of the draw on any given day. 
you know, teams can, you know, Inverness Kelly Thistle are the perfect example of what happens if the bigger team isn't on it and there's all sorts of other things going on. You can lose those games. But to be so consistent, and that's, we're now closing in on our fifth treble in, what, the last seven, six, seven years, mm-hmm. since 2017. That consistency of getting up for every single cup tie and every single different challenge is just, it's incredible, I think. And that shouldn't be underplayed at all, the fact that, that different teams and different players and different squads have just had that focus that when it comes to those cup ties, regardless of where we're playing, who we're playing, or when they make sure they win them. How do we see how do we see it going into the game? Because you mentioned earlier, this this team just always seems to be able to step up when they have to. And then when they got to trophy day there against Aberdeen, and it's like, it's the last game of the season, let's put on a show and let's really ramp things up before the Scottish Cup final. And that's exactly what they, they managed to do with that, the 5 0 victory. So do you just see a continuation of that this Saturday? Yeah, I, I wonder as well, because obviously we maybe had a, a wee rocky patch of a couple of weeks, which, you know, when you put it into perspective, we'd already won the league, so it doesn't really count. I mean, I, I know whether it's been coming from Third Park, bizarrely enough, or Ibrox, of how they look at a random series of results and say, well, we've actually been playing better than, than, than Celtic. I mean, that's a bit like that argument of, like, you have one game where you beat the champions, so that makes you the champions. I mean, that's like primary school logic. <laughs> But it was almost as if the players, kind of for the weekend, just went, do you know what, we'll just, we'll just remind people of how good we are. And they just, from the word go, the, the, the pace, the pass, passing, everything about the game, um, we just, you know, just brushed Aberdeen aside. They, to be fair, were, they were probably still on it from their midweek yeah. celebrations. And Barry Robson tempered his annoyance because he, he kind of knew that they'd, they'd achieved their objective. But... I think it was just a reminder. So, to your point of the team always being up for the game, I think come Saturday, it's the last game of the season. They know it's at stake, a chance just to create a wee bit of Celtic history. And, you know, it's going to, it would have been tough for Inverness anyway, finishing outside the playoffs in the Championship against the best team in Scotland. So, I would expect us just to go out there and, and put on a show. It's funny, you know, you're saying that about it being a child. Uh, argument, a child school argument about saying you're the best team. I remember when I, me and my mates when we were in high school when we beat Barcelona here in 2012. So we, say, we said, well, that's it then, so we're the best team in the world. And honestly, for about at least a year, maybe up to 18 months, we followed. So if then someone beat us, then they were the best team in the world. And we followed this pattern of results. <laughs> Who did you end up with? It ended up going all over the place because I can't remember I can't remember who it was. We we lost to somebody um and then we won it I think we won it back and then we lost another team that was maybe like an Aberdeen or something that were in Europe which then took it over to like their next game was in Europe and they lost and ended up going to the Netherlands. It ended up and it on it dotted about all all over the place and ended up in Spain and, and it was it was crazy. It was kinda like I mean obviously the narrative last year was Rangers are the Scottish Cup champions. This year it's the bragging rights. That, that seems to be the buzzword. I thought the, the, the interview with the Motherwell manager when he was trying to say about they're fair enough in good form, although the, you know latterly they were playing the teams in the bottom six, so it's all relative. But kind of did remind me of like when when like 
so like my son's wee and you're having to explain to them just some certain things because they have that childish logic of like either that idea of what well, we beat Barcelona so we're the best team in the world and you have to kind of explain I kind of felt like somebody at that press conference should have said to Stuart Kettle well do you know that's not how football works <laughs> and also then you look at the you know I, I like the split and it's, it's worked out well in terms of relegation battle this season but then you still get that thing at the end of the season where you're looking at it and you're going so the team in seventh have finished in eight more points than the team in sixth and five more points than the team in fifth so but then the team in fifth is technically a better team in the season because they finished fifth and then it becomes confusing because yeah, you're playing all the, the Probably in that. like 20 or 30 years time if they change the split and people who maybe weren't aware of it look back in the league tables and it'll just like it'll mess with their head. I know, it's so weird to see it but whatever, if the mother are happy then we'll, we'll leave them to it. Uh, yeah, that aspect of going into this game as well to kind of look at it from an Amorne's point of view it's going to be difficult enough as it is but they've not played a game in football in what, four weeks? Something like that. I don't know. I don't know what they've been doing in that time if they've managed to get friendly matches. But that's difficult enough as it is to try and to come into a game, but then have not played for four weeks. I mean, that's it's going to be really hard for them. Yeah, and it's so tough. I I always feel getting into a Scottish Cup final. The only time I'm ever apprehensive is if it's a derby game. It, I always feel that whenever we play at Hamden, and it, obviously it's not always worked because there have been times when we've lost. But I feel that you know. Generally, the majority of the fans, and there will be a massive majority of fans, will be Celtic fans at the weekend. So that goes in your favour. We're used to playing on those big occasions. We expect to win. So all those factors come into it. So it's so difficult. I'm not sure how Inverness, you know, approach it because they can't just go gung ho because then they know that we'll we'll run over the top of them. They can't really sit in too much because again, the same thing could happen. So I don't. It's a really difficult one for them. And you don't want to kind of be patronising or for them to say, all oh, right, we just want to have it, mm-hmm. enjoy a day out. I think it's interesting that, you, you know, there are certain other factors involved in terms of the, the kick-off time, etc. of why maybe they haven't brought as many fans down. Um, and that's a different issue, which is just it's a completely ridiculous decision. But I think maybe a lot of their fans are thinking, but we're just watching the TV because we're not thinking we're going to win, mm. which is a shame in a way because it's, it doesn't happen very often that they get to a cup final. But it was all you know, it's always going to be difficult when you're going to be playing us. Yeah, that the the kickoff times. I mean, I don't know one person that's happy with it, but yet at the same time, even the people that say they're not happy with it are the ones that made the decision to move it to half five. And then I saw something the other day that I think the game's going to be on BBC One Scotland, but if the FA Cup final goes to extra time, then they're going to move it to, is it the BBC, BBC Scotland two. channel? or? Yeah, I think so. So that, yeah, so it's, and I don't think it's getting a network audience anyway. I no. think, um, so I think there's some gardening programme on. So. Gardener's World or something? We, like, there's very I mean, few traditions left in football, I think. And I think having the Scottish Cup final on a Saturday at three o'clock should be one of the ones that is sacrosanct. Uh, yeah, definitely. And it's it's a game, I think, that if you're always going to put it up against the FA Cup final, where, by but, and large, you've got... But traditionally, historically, that, that, that was been often the been the case yeah. anyway. If you want to watch the game, you're going to watch the game. Yeah. You're not going to watch it or not watch it because you're thinking, oh, well, that game's on. You know, you just... You watch the game because that's what you want. You've got your traditions with everything. You've got your, your rituals. Like, even... We're working at the game, but speaking to friends and family when it's Scottish Cup final, they'll always go to the same place to have a drink beforehand, they'll always then make the same walk. And even just those small little things, 
some people don't think they matter, but they really do because that's the whole essence of going to a game of football. And yeah. when you're starting to always change that just because potentially a TV company might want it at a different time because they'll want to try and get a, a few extra viewers. I think that's where football starts to fall away from, from what it's meant to be. As you say, so if we weren't in the final, just say if we'd lost the semi-final, it was Rangers under Ness. Now, there's not a single Celtic fan that's going to be, would be moaning if it clashed with the FA Cup because they want to watch the Scottish Cup final. You're never going to watch that game. So that's the same thing. People who are Celtic fans or Inverness fans who can't make the game, they will watch it. Mm-hmm. And anybody else then makes the decision whether... Because I think actually the, the FA Cup final's on. I think the, the Women's Champions League final's on as well. On, on Saturday afternoon at three o'clock. So for some people, they would watch that game. But, you know, they weren't interested in English football either. So people who watch what they want to watch. So I, I don't think you should mess with it. But I know. And then, of course, they can, you've got the consideration of the fans coming down from Inverness. But also our fans that are coming down from Inverness and our fans that are travelling from Ireland and getting the buses from Coventry and... And from Reading or wherever it is that they're, yeah. they're coming to. The only person I've spoken to who said it's benefited is when we had Martin Compson on, because he said he's flying in that morning from a, a job, and it, if it was a three o'clock kickoff, he wouldn't be able to have made it. But now it's half five the can. So oh. That's the only person, so he'll be happy with it. But yeah, it's just it's it's ridiculous. Um, and the the fear is now they've done it once, they may end up turning around to it again. But yes, uh, that's a, another matter entirely. I think. One thing as well is that if we do win the Scottish Cup, I was looking at some of the, the stats in terms of medals honours, and I think when we won the, the League Cup, Cam McGregor went to 18. So when in the league, he went to 19, which is level with, with Jimmy Johnson. So if we win the Scottish Cup, he's going to go to 20 winners' medals, and if James Forrest is involved, I think he'll go to, to 22. And you think of the success that we've had over the last six to seven years or so of real continued treble success and you think you look at players like that and in 10, 15, 20 years time you're going to look back at some of these guys as some of the greats of this, this football club and their, their medal halls and who knows both of them might end up getting past Bobby Lennox see the holder yeah. yeah they might end up both getting past Bobby Lennox it's to think for Cal McGregor to win 20 trophies in the, the career that he's had here already it's just it's frightening numbers yeah, and he's on the verge of being the first guy to win five domestic trebles. And I thought um, Martin O'Neill was obviously a special guest last weekend as part of the trophy presentation. I think he was involved in the broadcast um, as well. And I think the question was put. I think somebody had asked, uh, you know, is Callum McGregor a Celtic legend? I think Martin O'Neill basically just said, well, he's won 19 medals. So I think that answers, that answers the question. But I think it's, it's what is remarkable is those two players... Have you know basically spent their whole, effectively their whole life since they've been wee boys at Celtic, and to to progress all the way through and to have that level of success, the two of them, and still being able to do it and still doing it at the highest level. And it was good, I thought, last weekend that so obviously Anthony Ralston as well, another academy boy, and then you had Ben Summers making his first first team appearance at Celtic Park at the other end of the scale, just starting out. So we finished the game last weekend with four. Academy graduates, we think, which I think is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But those two are just, they are just the benchmark. Yeah. So going into this final, then we spoke about this team and how they always deliver when it gets to the biggest stage. The big game players are the same. You know, Kyogo's got a couple goals at the weekend there against Aberdeen. 
what do you what do you expect? Um, what are you going to have a prediction for it? What what are you going to, what are you saying? I think we'll I, yeah I think we'll comfortably win. Um, I th- it might depend on our second half performance. I mean I'm going for seven. Yeah. I just think we're playing a team. You know if we were playing a team in the Premier League, so if say we were playing Motherwell or Dundee United or whatever, we've obviously just been relegated. I would still think on on our day, which we did with Dundee United. You know, you know, we beat them nine 0 and we're playing a team that didn't make the the Championship playoffs, and it, you know, they've done well to get to the cup final, given the you know they were slightly fortuitous that they get through because Queens Park got thrown out. I think, and given a performance last weekend, I think things will click into place, and I, I, the game will be over for me. I I think it'll be over by half time. Mm. It just depends then whether they would just go on and on and just keep scoring goals or whether, you know, it's hard then because the players might... That, yeah. that, that's my feeling. I think if Inverness are still in the game at half-time, then there is that we hope for them because it's so... I think they know it's so difficult because you're looking at Aberdeen last weekend, the third-best team in the country, and they couldn't get near us. I'd have to agree with everything you say. I don't, I don't know what the score will be. It's hard to put... Start to put your finger on it, but I agree with Everson. If we just go out and put in a complete ninety-minute performance, then it could be, it could be anything really. But it just depends on what happens in the day, what factors come into it. You never know what situations might occur. But yeah, I still think it'll be a pretty comfortable win. And do you know what? If if we do win it, it's going to be one of those that people are going to say we, we beat a team in the championship. But our run to get to the final, we had to go to Tynecastle and we won there convincingly and we had to win a derby match at, at Hampden Park in the semi, which they're always difficult occasions as well. The two games before that, five past St Mirren, put five past Morton. That was a, that was a tough game actually, the Morton one to, to begin with. They started off quite well. But, you know, our run to it has been, you know, it's been, it's been difficult tests. We've scored lots of goals. So I hope we just go out there on Saturday and cap it off a big victory and just end what has been one of the most remarkable seasons and the most remarkable couple of years under the manager. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it though. Looking forward to it. It'll be, it'll be a good day. Hopefully, we just we get it we get it over the line. But anything else from that for the final you're you're looking forward to or any any other talking points before we move on? No, as I say, I think everybody everybody's just looking forward to. A good Celtic celebration. That's you. You said it's everybody. I think because it's some of our earliest memories, which we'll, we'll chat about later, of, of Scottish Cup finals and seeing Celtic lift trophies and stuff. So there's always a real affection for the Scottish Cup final, and especially if you're going to Hamden in the sun, there is just there's just something. It just feels like a Celtic day. I think when when the sun's shining and we're at Hamden winning the Scottish Cup. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about our Scottish Cup final memories in a moment, but I think it's probably a good chance to bring in our special guest this week, which is none other than Ryan Christie, who this season has had a, a brilliant season, keeping Bournemouth in the Premier League. But we had him on to talk all about his time as a Celtic player and as an Inverness player, because he has a foot firmly in both camps. I think he said he's going to have to have, to have the half and half scarf. Out for which this. is unacceptable in itself. Especially when you think of the colours. Well, that's true. I gave him the benefit of the doubt on it, though. Um, but yeah, he, he looks back on his time at Celtic and also lifting the Scottish Cup with Inverness and helps us preview Saturday's showpiece final. It is Scottish Cup final this Saturday and we've got the perfect man 
to look ahead to it. A man that's got a foot in both camps after coming through his boyhood club and lifting the Scottish Cup back in 2015. He swapped Inverness for Celtic and managed to win a treble in the Scottish Cup and plenty of other trophies with the club. Uh, please welcome along Ryan Christie. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Uh, no worries at all. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm all good, thank you. Very good, yeah. Uh, we were just chatting off camera there about the, the weather. I think uh, <laughs> it's looking a bit lovely down there. How's life treating you down in Bournemouth? Yeah, it's good. It's good to be fair. Yeah, the uh, the weather's certainly a plus, that's for sure. Um, it's been beautiful the last kind of week or so. So, um, so yeah, loving it. Obviously, one game to go at the, the weekend and then, you know, it's kind of um, the summer break. So, looking forward to that. Yeah, I know. We need to start off, actually. A massive congratulations in the season that you've had at Bournemouth managing not really just to stay up in the Premier League, but stay up with a, a little bit of style as well. How you enjoyed this season? It must have been an amazing experience for you. Yeah, it's been amazing. Even obviously, like, I think at the start, everybody kind of wrote us off. Everyone thought we were going to get, you know, one of the favourites to, to be relegated. So, you know, obviously to, um, you know, to to, to to shut everyone up and, and, and you know, secure kind of survival and, and being the Prem next year is, is nice. And then obviously to do it with, you know, with three or four games to go, I don't think anybody would have thought that. So, um, yeah, it's been nice. And obviously you just get to enjoy these last kind of three weeks of the season now with, with no pressure. So, um, yeah, I've loved it. Yeah. And how's the experience been playing Premier League football when, you know, you had the chance at Celtic to play in Europe and play against some top teams. But how's that Premier League experience been for you? Has it been a bit different? Yeah, it's been amazing. Obviously, it's... You know, it's a it's a crazy league, and you know the amount of kind of good teams, especially you know towards the top. There's you know there's seven or eight world class teams, so you know it's hard. It kind of it, it tests you every single week, but it, you know it's um you know it's an exciting challenge, a good one, and then obviously playing it, you know all these amazing stadiums, um you know around England, um you know I found it found it pretty cool, which um you know obviously makes it more exciting for for next season that we get to do it all again. Yeah, brilliant. Well, lots to look forward to for, for you during the summer then. And I know you'll probably be in some Scotland duty as well. So you probably won't have too much time off. So enjoy that sunshine while you've got it. Um, but we're here, Ryan, to talk about this Scottish Cup final, Celtic against Inverness. Um, I don't know, will you be away on holiday? Or will you get the chance to come up to Hamden to see the game? Um, believe it or not, I think I'm doing the TV. <laughs> I think I'm doing the TV for it. So yeah, just like you said, because of got a foot in both camps I think I've had quite a few kind of uh people on the phone you know wanting to chat with me and stuff and I got the TV offer and I've had a couple of kind of offers before to do it and I've said no so this is the the first time that'll be part of the panel so uh I'm looking forward to that but yeah I, I definitely obviously couldn't miss it with, with both teams in the final I was desperate to come up and see it how much are you looking forward to it yeah I can't wait to be honest obviously it's um you know it's always a, an amazing kind of um game being at Hamden you know the Celtic fans will be amazing hopefully Inverness travel well too and then you know it's always you know a special occasion always always the game that kind of rounds the season off so um, you know it's always got a special feeling. Will you have the half and half scarf in the telly then without your foot in both camps? <laughs> yeah definitely I think the, the um, you know the TV gig kind of helped me out a bit because I was desperate to go up but I thought where do I sit you know where, where do I sit and somehow act like a neutral but um so yeah, that'll help me out. <laughs> I think it you'll still be close to a lot of people up in Inverness. So how much are people up there really excited for this final and people at the club? Yeah, obviously it's a massive, you know, massive 
of um, you know game for them. Um, you know, obviously when the, the last time we won it, when I was there, I don't think anybody thought we would have been back so quickly to to another cup final. Um, you know, so it's a credit to to the boys. Um, you know, it's been a kind of mad cup run, obviously with um, you know, what happened against Queens Park, and then you know they've put out two great teams. You know, we're Premier League teams in Kilmarnock and Leving- Livingston, so you know, fully deserve to you know to get all the way to the final. Um, and yeah, obviously a, a massive game for for the club and. Obviously, trying to you know do the impossible and and um, you know write another bit of history. It's quite strange for Inverness though that they've had so much time off because they didn't reach the playoffs. Do you think that's going to have a bit of an impact at all on the game? I know it is strange. I know I've been speaking to you know other people about that because obviously I was you know I was desperate for them to to make the playoffs. So desperate for them to you know have another chance at promotion, having been you know close um, last season. Um, in the playoffs, so yeah, it's a bit of a strange one. Obviously, I think they're trying to rear it, you know, get get games arranged, friendly games and stuff leading in. But um, yeah, it's a bit of a, a strange scenario. But obviously, with the you know the magnitude of the game, I'm sure all the all the players will be ready when it comes around. Yeah, and then from a, a Celtic point of view as well, I'm sure you're still keeping up to date with how your your friends up here are doing. How much have you enjoyed seeing the way that Celtic have been playing this season and in the the season before under the manager? Yeah, listen, it's been absolutely incredible to watch. Um, you know, I've I've kind of said it before. I got a you know a, a tiny little you know sneak peek of what Andrew's like for the the couple of months before I left, and I thought he was just absolutely superb. And you know, from from that time I got to work with him, I was you know pretty confident that the Celtic were going to be really successful under him. And you know, this season kind of shows just that, and you know how amazing it's been. And then even um, you know speaking to. You know, obviously my pals that still keep in touch with Greg Taylor and obviously I see Cal at, at Scotland as well. Um and yeah, just how much they're kind of loving it and, and playing under him and, and obviously the success that brings, it comes hand in hand. So, you know, buzzing for them and I'm sure again next week they'll be they'll be desperate to, to round the season off with another trophy. I was wanting to ask you that because you did have a short time at the club during the manager. Did you expect all this success to follow just from your little glimpse of training with him? Yeah, I, I genuinely did. Obviously, it's probably easy for for me to say that now. Now that it's it's happened, but you know, as soon as he kind of came in the door straight away, you could see how, you know, absolute he was with his with his coaching plan, with the the way he wanted to play football. And you know, from my experience, when when a coaches are like that, you know, it, it normally comes off when you know when they're so absolute in what what they want to do and and how they want to play. Um, you know, and the way he kind of got his message across of of how he wanted Celtic to play football was was very clear and. And obviously, you can see it now. Obviously, he's been in the, the job, you know, a while now, and and he's got the boys doing it to absolute perfection. So, um, you know, even in Europe, you know, I think really unlucky. You know, even with the results against some some, you know, very very good teams, I thought the performances, especially against Real Madrid, were were top class, which is a credit to to the boys playing against that kind of opposition. And even some of the players that you got to play with just for that little period of time, I'm thinking of the likes of Kyogo again. Could you tell with with those guys that they were going to have the success that they went on to have so far. Yeah, I mean Kyogo's a good example. He, he as soon as he came in the door, obviously he, he couldn't speak much English. Um, I don't know how it is now if he's if he's getting any better, but and um, when he first came in the door, um, you know I don't think anybody knew what to what to kind of expect. And I think his first game in the league was the Dundee game, and he scored a hat trick. And I thought, okay, this this kid's got something. I think so. Uh, 
yeah, he's he's done all right to be fair. So um, yeah, he's he's listen, he's a top quality player along with the the rest of the boys that the, the managers brought in, and um, again, you know, especially when these kind of players fit the the way the manager wants to play and and buy into his style, um, you know, it's a recipe for success. Yeah, um, let's take a look a little bit more at this final then. So. From your experience, of course, you won the Scottish Cup with Inverness, you won the Scottish Cup with Celtic. What do you think the players from the Inverness camp will be feeling going into this? And then again, from your experience, what's it like from a Celtic point of view going into a final where the expectation is on you to go and win the game? Yeah, obviously two, you know, kind of different sides to it. Um, you know, the, the the Inverness side is probably more of a... Um, you know they're they're obviously massive massive underdogs first and foremost, so they'll just be desperate to you know to try and get something, start the game well, and you know do do the basics. I know it sounds crazy, but it's little things like that that you try and think in your head going into the game. Um, you know it was a strange one for myself playing for Inverness because somehow you know going to the final we then play Falkirk and we were you know the favourites going into it, so it was a bit bizarre. But um, you know the other the other side of the coin is is Celtic that you know the expectation that comes with it, you know. All the all the pressures on Celtic being their favourites, but again, that's something that comes hand in hand with with, with playing with such a massive club. You go into these these games and you expect to win, and you need to you need to perform. But um, you know, like we've seen over the the course of the season, that the boys have have shown that they're they're more than capable of doing that. So um, so yeah, listen, from my side of it, I'm just wanting an exciting game. Yeah, like a, a massive four-all draw, and then just see what happens in penalties or something from your point of view. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when you won the Scottish Cup with with uh, Inverness in twenty fifteen, you beat Celtic in the semi final uh, on along the way. Do you think that's something that, from an Inverness point of view, they'll be looking at and saying, "We've done it before; we could do it again." Yeah, you never know. Obviously, when I look back on that game now, it was. You know, there's definitely aspects of that game where it felt like it was just, you know, luck was on our side in that day. Obviously, going into to the ga- that game as well, it was the same feeling. You know, you're playing a massive game and, you know, you're going to need something special to happen if, if you want to get through. And then big Virgil van Dijk curled one in the top corner for like 15 minutes. And I thought, oh, no, here we go. This could be a long day. And obviously, the, that kind of handball incident, you've got the red card, you know, things seem to, to kind of fall our way. Um, but yeah, obviously... The kind of Scottish Cup seems to throw wild cards like like that most of the time. Obviously, over the years, I think, um, you know, Inverness at times have, have kind of been a bogey team for Celtic. So, um, listen, maybe maybe they can take a bit of hope, you know, from that from from past results. But, um, yeah, it's going to be tough. Yeah, we're still not resentful over that handball incident. We've got over it. <laughs> um, but see to to lift a Scottish Cup with a club like Inverness and for yourself being a homegrown lad at that time, what did that mean to the city and to the people up there? And where does that achievement for you rank in your career? Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely right up there just because of, I mean, first, you know, it was the first ever time. It was my first trophy. So, you know, that was an amazing, you know, feeling in itself. Um, first first trophy in my career. And then, you know, like you said, being a being a homegrown kind of player, I knew kind of how much it, it meant to everybody being involved at, at Inverness. All my mates, you know, were Inverness fans and, you know, some of them who came through the youth with me and they were kind of all at the game. So, you know, it was just such a bizarre feeling ever obviously winning it the next day at the, um, the kind of bus parade and, you know, we're coming out and I'm just seeing all my kind of mates like lined in the streets of Inverness. So, you know, it was pretty surreal um, and something, again, I... 
you know, I know we were we had a really good season, but if you told me at the, at the start of that that you know Inverness would win a, a Scottish Cup and finish third, I think everybody would have called me crazy. So, um, yeah, it was it was an incredible season and one I'm very fortunate to to be a part of. Yeah. So you then signed for Celtic that summer, if that's right. So did you go into that final knowing it was potentially going to be your last game and that you were going to be joining Celtic, or how did that move come around? No, I had no idea. I um. I didn't know, obviously. Um, big John Hughes, the manager, Yogi, he was obviously a, a big Celtic man. I think he was pals with, with John Collins, who was the assistant coach at the time with Celtic. And, um, you know, from from what I've heard now, he was he was in his ear every other week telling him, you know, that, that they should have a look at me as, as a youngster coming through at Inverness, where um, it wasn't until the, the start of the next season and we played um, Celtic at Celtic Park. I think it was 4-2 in the league or something. Um, but I managed to come on and score a goal. And uh, I think that's when Yogi then had another word in John Collins' ear, a bit more proof. And um, I think it was a couple of weeks after that that I kind of got the phone call. It was obviously, you know, mental being a being a Celtic fan growing up. Um, you know, that was a bit of a surreal moment as well. And then, yeah, I'm buzzing to make the switch. Yeah, because, I mean, your Celtic career, I want to get into some of your Scottish Cup memories now with Celtic and the finals, but your career really was one of perseverance because signing in that summer in 2015 it wasn't really until maybe the 2018-19 season where you really had your your real breakthrough at the club so what was that period like for you having to try and force your way in but then go out and loan as well yeah listen it was tough I mean obviously I when I arrived at Celtic I, I kind of arrived injured which wasn't you know the best of starts it, you know it took me a couple of months to get to get back to to kind of um, full fitness and then even when I did you know I hadn't played a match in so long so it wasn't like I can go and chat on the manager's door and you know ask him to, to throw me in so um, of course it took a bit of time and then you know the jump from I know we we had a really successful team at Inverness but you know the jump from there to going into to Celtic at, at that young age you know was was still a massive gap and one that I was probably going to need to take a bit of time to get used to um, obviously you know Brendan Rodgers comes in, you know, loved working under him, got a pre-season, but again, the, the, you know, the kind of, the game time was limited and I didn't really want to to go too long. I think by that stage, it just coming up to a year where, you know, I hadn't played regular football, so I didn't want to leave it any longer than that. And um, yeah, obviously the, the loan switch to, to Aberdeen came about and um, yeah, I just kind of jumped at it with, with the hope that, you know, it would help, help me, um, you know, improve my skills and come back to, to Celtic, an even better player, kind of ready to ready to challenge the first team. So you were involved in the last Celtic team to win the Scottish Cup in 2020, the last Celtic team to win a treble. Um, I wanted to ask you about the treble treble in 2019, but it wasn't until I was researching again this morning that I forgot that you got injured in the, the semi-final. So do you have many memories of that game against Hearts? Were you there at the stadium? I was there, yeah. I remember, obviously, you know, it was a bit of a, you know, mental injury with a kind of facial injury um in the semi final and um I can't remember the date of the semi final, but I was just all that in my head was just like, can I make the final and was asking the doctors and stuff if I could maybe wear like a any sort of face mask or anything. But, you know, I think pretty early on they kinda of made it um obvious that it was just not not the best idea and it was, you know, too much of a risk to, to even think about that. So um, you know, it was it was gutting to miss out on it, especially because 
Um, you know, like you said, it was for a treble, and you're always desperate to play in these massive games. But I was there. I was there on the day. I was sat on the bench. The rest of the boys in in my suit. Um, probably still with a big, huge swollen face. So <laughs> probably not looking my prettiest. But uh, yeah, I remember it obviously, and um, and yeah, it was amazing. Obviously, it's 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 always horrendous I feel like watching games from the stand when you want the boys to do well because you have zero impact on the game at least when you're part of it you know you can you know you can win tackles you can win head or make passes but when you're at the side you just it's just 90 minutes of, of torture so um yeah listen I was, I was delighted the boys managed to get it over the line and and yeah um you know my first my first kind of treble being properly part of it I think from a fan's point of view I remember after that match it was probably one of the biggest celebrations of everyone being back in the city centre in Glasgow. What was it like from a player's point of view with the celebrations? Pretty good after that. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, I think, where did we go? We went back to the uh, Radisson Red, I think it was. Um, all of us, because I think we were supposed to have like a bus parade, but it was just too mental in George Square that they just called it, called it off. So, um, yeah, we were obviously getting sent all the videos you could see on Twitter and stuff of, of the Celtic fans just taking over, which was amazing to see. Even our journey from Hamden um, back to the hotel was amazing with like fans still lining the streets and stuff. So, um, and yeah, because it's, you know, always falls on, you know, it's the last game of the season. It's, um, you know, it's nice that you finally get to kind of let your hair down and enjoy, enjoy any achievement you, you've made. So, um, yeah, everyone's family and stuff did and, you know, um, and celebrating. It was a good night. So in the next season, uh, we win the the quadruple treble. But the the Scottish Cup final is a it's quite a strange one because of course it gets delayed from COVID. When it's then played, it's in the following season in December. It's behind closed doors. Um, does it feel strange for yourself as well when you think back onto that final against Hearts? Yeah, it was it was a weird one. Obviously, you know, um, I I try in my head to take nothing away from you know, from what it was, because it was, you know, another another Scottish Cup final success. But, you know, a big aspect of these Cup finals is playing in front of the fans and, and playing at a full Hamden because it's, you know, it's, um you know, it's it's an amazing experience to do that. So, obviously, it being behind closed doors was a, was a bit weird and it was a shame, obviously, nothing you can kind of do when it was when it was COVID times. And and like you said, yeah, being, um you know, the the into the next season, you know, when you do win it, you can't really celebrate that much because it was like in the middle of a season. So, um, you know, it was, it was kind of back to business, but, um, again, you know, an amazing way. Of, I think it, I think it was like two nil at half time, And at half time, I just thought like, Oh, perfect. Maybe score another goal, keep the ball, like happy days. Um, I didn't expect it to go, you know, how it did. And, and it goes all the way to penalties. So, um, yeah, looking back, obviously an amazing, amazing way to, to win it. But, um, I definitely thought it would have been <laughs> smoother sailing than that. Take us through your emotions because you had a big high who's going an absolute screamer <laughs> in that first half. And then I can imagine quite a low feeling in the penalty shootout. <laughs> Talk us through your emotions during that match. Yeah, I used to remember, um, obviously the goal, I was buzzing with the goal. I scored a, a similar one in the, the semi-final against Aberdeen. And then, um, you know, Neil Lennon before the game had just said, you know, you're playing a similar position. If you get the chance, just just hit it and then I don't know it was like 12 minutes in the ball kind of fell perfectly to me so I thought um you know I was delighted with that obviously then the game goes away it did extra time seemed like an absolute slog I remember just facing corners there was no kind of rhythm to the game and it was you know it was such a weird game to be part of um and then yeah then the, the kind of ups and downs of penalties and 
you know, Craig Gordon saved mine. It's even like to this day, I we had a Scotland camp, I think like a couple of weeks beforehand, and we were practicing penalties at Scotland, and I was taking mine into Craig Gordon, and I put like three in a row, like went for like top right corner, and he didn't get near any of them. So obviously the next penalty I take is the one in that cup final. And I just completely forgot that Craig Gordon was in was in goal against me. That I've been practicing against him. So he said to me after the game, he's like, "I just I just guessed you were going to go the same way you've been practicing." So like when I watched it back, like he just dived early, perfect height, like saved it. I thought, ah, oh, how have I not remembered that? But um, yeah, luckily, listen, Con- I think it was Connor Hazard in goals. You know, made a couple of great saves, and then big, big Norwegian Chris Azure steps up and curly toes one down the middle to win it. So uh, yeah, happy days. Yeah, he stepped up with the winner. Does he still mention it to you at all? Oh, well, you know Chris probably as well as I do. He doesn't shut up about these kind of stuff. So um, any possible time he could tell you how good he was, he'll tell you. Is that the most centre-half penalty ever? Just running up and smashing it? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And he'll convince you that it was, you know, it was nice and relaxed and chilled. I think he took about two metres of turf before he even connected with the ball. Uh, But yeah, listen, so I can't, I can't complain. <laughs> Even though, as we said, it kind of spoke about the strangeness of that final with it being behind closed doors, it was a quadruple treble that we achieved by winning that final. When you try and put into words and context what that achievement means to you and to the club and, and to what you all felt at that time, how do you try and put that into words? Yeah, it's absolutely massive. Obviously, you know, by far one of my favourite things I've, I've done in my career. Um you know, I'm, I'm kind of so privileged. I got to be a part of such an amazing team under, you know, a spell of, of good managers and, and great staff and just a great time to, to be at Celtic. Um, you know, obviously look back on it with, with fond memories and, you know, even now obviously that, you know, the team next week have got a chance to do the same and, you know, I'm putting another, another treble on the board and if you're anyone ask them, they'll tell you how hard it is to do that. So, um, you know, for the club to have done what they did in that period, a quadruple treble is, is pretty crazy and, and as the years go on I think you know more and more people will realise how you know how impressive impressive that was obviously the f- the first kind of two trebles I was out on loan and you know a bit part player whereas the last two you know I felt like um, you know I was really part of it you know from, from start to finish so, so they do feel special yeah, um, just be- when we finish off Ryan I just wanted to go through some usually anytime I have a guest on we go through some quick fire questions of your time at the club and teammates and things like that but before we get to that I just wanted to ask about when you were leaving Celtic and going to join Bournemouth because as we mentioned you had a bit of a, a spell in the team and I think you're probably one of those players a lot of Celtic fans look at and, and saw the way you played under Ange and thought oh you would have been brilliant in this system see when you came to, to leaving the club was it quite a a difficult decision for you at that time as much as you were quite excited about that new opportunity at Bournemouth? Yeah, absolutely. It was it was tough. It was you know, it was uh, you know, kinda of mad kind of few months in, in my head personally because you know, at the, at the start of the summer, um, when I first came back and, you know, there was talk of, you know, kind of going other places and, you know, I was desperate in my head to, to try down the road and, you know, I was pretty set on that and then Ange came in and threw this big curveball because obviously I, I loved what, you know, even the first few weeks of his coaching methods and the way he wanted to play. And, you know, even the few d- games I got under him, you know, I thought it suited me and, and the way I was playing. So obviously straight straight away when that happens, you start kind of questioning, questioning your decisions. But, um, you know, it came down to a point where, you know, I, I was lucky enough, like I said, to, to be part of that, 
you know, kind of treble, treble, quadruple treble. And, you know, it was maybe other, you know, a time for, for other players to, to step through and, and get their time to shine. Whereas, you know, I can go down and, and down here and, and try something else. I, you know, I was a huge admirer of the Premier League growing up and I was desperate to, to, to play in the Premier League. And, you know, it was getting to an age now where I thought, you know, it's, it's kind of now or never. So, um, obviously, you know, no regrets. I've absolutely loved it being down here and, and lucky enough we, we got the promotion the first year and I've enjoyed a year in the Premiership so um, yeah listen it's, it's probably worked out worked out for the best yeah and when you've got that weather to be honest Ryan I can't really blame you too much <laughs> compared exactly. to the weather up in Glasgow um, yeah just to finish off then I just want to run through some some quick fire questions just kind of about your teammates and about your time at Celtic so First of all, have you got a favourite goal from your time at Celtic? And that can be for the strike or the moment or whatever comes to mind. Uh, good question. Um, my goal semi-final against Hearts at uh, Murrayfield, just because I think, you know, it was a time in my Celtic career where I, you know, I thought my time was up. I thought I wasn't going to get, you know, a, a chance in the first team. And then we had a few injuries and came on at half time and I managed to score that goal. And, uh, you know, from then I just seemed to kind of stick in the team and, and didn't really look back. So, you know, for me that was the goal that kind of ignited my Celtic career. So I always look back on that one. That one, that one being are my favourite. Are, are you taking, taking the second, second goal on that as well? Because I think the ball crossed the line. <laughs> yeah, we didn't. Have, we need goal line technology. A few years back, and then I could say that I got a brace that day, make it even better. But um, uh, to be fair, James, he'll never, uh, never. He loves to to steal a goal off me. He's done it a few times. So, uh, yeah, you can have that one. Who was the funniest teammate during your time at Celtic? Funniest? Um, oh, there was a few. Scott Bain always made me laugh. Mika Lustig. I thought he was so funny. Um, obviously, Bruni was was, a, was was an amazing laugh as well. He was always up to no good. So, um, yeah, I was fortunate enough to be part of a, a great changing room when I was there, to be fair. Even, obviously, Greg Taylor and great pals of him now kind of caught um, him in his, his first kind of year or so so um, so yeah Would Greg be the loudest in the changing room? Yeah I don't know if it's loudest or just non-stop I just don't think he ever stops talking it's mental I can't imagine living with him I think he must just talk in his sleep as well as soon as he goes to bed <laughs> And I, I wanted to ask as well maybe who the biggest prankster was but is it someone from that first list or maybe Brownie or, or Lustig? Yeah, Brownie, Listo, Scott Bain as well. Scott Bain was always was always at it. He always had this thing of putting a prawn in everyone's coffee. So there was if there <laughs> if there was prawns on for lunch, then everybody would be wary of offering each other a coffee. And then it got to the point where he would make himself a coffee and someone else a coffee, and he'd put the prawn in his coffee, right? And then he'd for and then he'd pretend to go and go away somewhere, and the people he'd got the coffee for would switch thinking they were switching the prawn and they'd still end up with a prawn <laughs> he was a genius he was an absolute genius at that but uh, yeah yeah he made me laugh that, that is, is next level stuff that is he's put so much thought into that it's amazing um, I don't know if you had a fine system when you were at the club but if you did was there anybody in particular that would get fined the most um, Odson Odson was was late for training. I think about fifty percent of his, his self. I think he used to. He was either late or he came in at you know nine twenty nine or you know thirty seconds before we were supposed to supposed to be there. So I think he paid a good, um, a good amount of fines. Who else? 
I can't think that was it. There was always in my last year we had the kind of the fine wheel as well, which is which is a good laugh. People spinning for their fines, their double treble or no fines and stuff. So um, so yeah, that was always a good laugh. Would the, there be forfeits in that wheel? Uh, I'm trying to think what it was. It was like double your fine, triple your fine, half your fine, pass your fine on to someone else, so you could pick <laughs> someone else to uh to pay your fine. Um, and like people like Cal McGregor, you know, complete professional, never got fined. Um, so if boys got the chance to pass a fine on, it was always slapped on him, which he was raging with. So, uh, so yeah. I'm sure I'm not doing that now when he's captain. <laughs> you know, I'm, I think it's a brave person to do that now. <laughs> but I suppose if people like Hodson are coming in late and keep getting fined, are you sitting there rubbing your hands thinking that's going to a kitty for a Christmas night out or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Every time he's late, I just saw it as another another round of beers for us when the, when the season was over. So, uh, yeah, I was certainly never complaining. I was telling him just to come in an extra 15 minutes at top the fines up. Brilliant. Um, I wanted to ask, who would be the one guy that you wouldn't want to get stuck in a list with? But I think if you've already given the answer already and Greg Taylor, since you said he's, he's so noisy and non-stop. Uh, depends how long I'm stuck in the lift for. <laughs> oh, you were talking a long time. Uh, if it's five minutes, I could deal with Greg. If it's half an hour, then I'm tapping out. Um, <laughs> apart from that, nobody really. Everybody, you know, everybody was brilliant. There was there was no real bad eggs, which I think obviously played a part in why we were so successful at the time because everyone was just kind of pulling together, no no kind of egos, anything like that. So, um, yeah, I'll say Greg Taylor. <laughs> yeah. And then back to the actual football, what is the most memorable game for you, you can remember from your time at Celtic. Um, again, good question. I always liked the the League Cup final against Aberdeen. That was obviously a big one. You know, managed to score the winner, and that was like my first trophy. Um, with Celtic, you know, actually kind of playing a part and and being on the pitch with it. So, you know, I loved that. Um, and then probably you know European nights as well. The, the game at home against. Uh, Lazio was was amazing, incredible. The away game against them as well, also unbelievable. So um, yeah, there's there's a good few to be fair. Brilliant. And finally, who's going to have their hands in the Scottish Cup? <laughs> oh, no comment. I'm saying, like you said earlier, four four draw, and then well, I'll take penalties. <laughs> That's fine. We, I'll let you away with that. Uh, Ryan, thanks so much for taking out the time. Uh, looking forward to seeing you up at Hamden in that TV booth. Get your nice suit looked out for it. Um, Hopefully you have a good day and, yeah, I don't know what you're going to think at full time, no matter what happens, but I'm sure you'll enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much, mate. Thanks for having me. Yeah, there we have it. It's always good to hear from a former Cell in Ryan Christie. Um, he, was a, he was a brilliant player, Ryan Christie, wasn't he, for us? Yeah, he was, he was excellent. I, I thought he... And he, he was always a player that I thought showed what the benefits of a loan can do, uh, you know, particularly when he went to Aberdeen. I th you know, it was a really good club, good team at the time, and, you know, he, he had a great season for them, and then we get the benefits of it. I think Brendan Rodgers was pivotal in bringing him on as well. And I think it was just that he'd already decided to leave when Ange came in, because I think if he'd stayed, he would have been exactly the sort of player that I think would have really thrived in the system that we play. But I think increasingly, I, I always liked him. He was a great... Uh, person to interview, always a really good guy, um, but a really good player. And I think you saw over the course of this season, the longer the season went on, the more 
pivotal he became to mm -hmm. Bournemouth. And the manager used him really well and he became a key figure in, in helping them to go, which I think was a, was a great success story in the Premier League and for, for Bournemouth as well. So I'm really pleased that, that he's he's helped them stay up. Yeah, I had to ask him that question at the end just to see, like, you, the manager came in here, you were playing, you were playing really well and I think he's the one player, as you mentioned, that a lot of Celtic fans look at and go, he would have fitted in so well. It was here. him and Chris Iyer, I thought the two of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, the two of them. But yeah. then you you balance it because then you know if, if a player stays, you then yeah. look. Do you get a, a Jota or a Dizemaida? If a Chris Iyer stayed, you know, do you get Carmen Carter Vickers? So it's like that's just the way the club evolves. I yeah, suppose, so. yeah. So there's always a sliding doors moment, isn't there? Yeah. One leaves and another one comes in. Um, but he said it. He was like basically uh, he'd made his decision. He wanted to go, but then. The manager came in and they're playing this brilliant football and he's like, oh, wait a minute here. But, you know, it's worked out well for him. Went down to Bournemouth, got promoted. They stayed in the Premier League as well. And not not even by the skin of their teeth. They've done yeah. really well in the season. So all the best to him. And uh, he'll be going to the game on Saturday. He's doing it at the telly as well. So uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll get to see him. But he'll probably be celebrating no matter what, whatever team Well, he is, he is the only man to win the cup with both, both, teams. both teams. So Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, just kind of sticking in the theme of the Scottish Cup final before we then move on to the, the women's team Scottish Cup final. I thought it would be a chance for us to look back on our, our own memories because when you get to the build-up to a final, you do a lot of the time reflect on other Cup final moments that you remember, your first games, different things, different memories, occasions. So just to kick things off, your first Cup final, do you remember it? Yeah, because you're, you're just doing this to make me feel old. So... <laughs> Um, 1972 was the first cup final I went to Celtic um, beat Hibs 6-1 um, I was only was about five and a half just short of my sixth birthday and my dad took me and I just remember it just uh, uh, that's why I love going to Hamden because my earliest memories are it just seemed to be we played Hibs two or three times in cup finals so both teams played in green and white the pitch is green all the fans are wearing green scarves and stuff. So it just felt that was just part of, of the National Stadium. And my my grand stayed in Tory Glen, which is just, you know, five, ten minutes walk over Prospect Hill Road to Hamden. So we would always go for a cup final. We would go up to my grand's and then me and my dad would walk down and that's when the, the buses used to park up and you know down Prospect Hill Road. So we'd walk down there go to the cup final and then back to my grand's, which was always a, you know, you're talking about different traditions. So even now, whenever I go to Hamden for a game, I always, I'll go past Celtic Park and then I'll go up and just skirt the edges of Rutherglen and then come down and pass by where my grand stayed and pass that street and then up over Prospect Hill Road and down to Hamden. It's just kind of, it just, it's just a kind of wee reminder for me of those kind of wonderful childhood memories. My grand was just a massive Celtic fan and I just like, can I always feel when I go past? Yeah, I think right, we'll be okay. Mm -hmm. My first Scottish Cup final was two thousand and seven. We beat them Fernand one 0 where John Joe Pierre Dumbey scored the winner, the most unlikely goal scorer in, right. in that final. Uh, not the greatest of goals. Either. Not the greatest of goals. Not the greatest of games either. I think it was Neil Lennon's last match for the club as a player as well. Um, so just kind of remember his farewell. But yeah, cause I remember. Played in film in 2004 and then Dundee United 2005, if that's right. Yeah. And both of those games, I didn't have a season ticket at that point. I think I got my season ticket in 2006. So I was trying to get to both of those games, but my dad couldn't get a ticket. 
and I was still young, so if he could get a ticket, he couldn't get one that was next to him, so he didn't want me to go to Hamden and sit on my own and things. So I had to wait a while, and then I, I got my season ticket, and uh, that yeah, it would have been the start of that season then, and then got to Hamden then. Uh, I, always remember, <laughs> I always remember, I think that year, the, the, the semi-final we played Queen of the South, and we beat them, it was actually a difficult game, we beat them 2-1 in the end, it ended up being a little bit nervy. But at that time, Hamden was pretty empty for the game. But the smoking ban had just come in to Scotland, I'm sure, around 2006, 2006. 2006. 2006. Yeah, yeah. So, that, I think that was the first game at Hamden that the smoking ban might have been right. in place for it. I remember we sat down and uh, people next to us started smoking. And I was only wee and I said, oh, Dad, I, I, can't, I can't deal with this. I, I can't deal with this smoke. <laughs> So like we moved somewhere else because Hamden was pretty empty for the game because there wasn't a lot of Queen of South fans moved elsewhere. Sat down, people were still sitting there smoking and we kept talking about the stadium. We ended up missing, I think, the winning goal because my dad was raging with me at the end of the match because I just kept trying to move so we could get away from something, from something that was smoking. Oh, how's how it's changed now? But even still, when that came in, in 2006, I still don't really have that many memories of people like actually smoking it football and things I always my dad telling stories of what it was like in the jungle and all I think it changed when the all-seater stadium yeah yeah came but, in to an extent but yeah that's my, my first cup final um, best goal you've ever seen in a Scottish cup final live like being at the game I mean I would have to go the, immediately the one that sprung to mind was Tom Rogic's yep in 2017 just just for the feeling that it gave the just I mean that was that was the classic you know, definition of, you know, Billy McNeil's as a fairy tale about this football club. That that was it. You know, that moment, the last kick of the ball almost of 90 minutes to become invincibles, to have won the treble without losing a single domestic game. It was just incredible that that day and that. So that, just that goal, there was probably better goal, you know, more spectacular mm-hmm. goals. Um, but that, that was just something special. Well, I'll go for a strike then and... For me, I think the best one was Keys against Motherwell mm. in 2011. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, first goal of the match. Because he, he hit it with his left foot as well, which is weak foot, and it was just went like an absolute arrow into the back of the net. And I'm sure that day it was raining quite heavily at Hamden, and there's like a slow motion shot behind the goal of like the ball hitting the back of the net and then all the rain droplets. See, I thought that was Charlie's free oh, kick. Char- yeah. well, you might be right, actually. I think that's, when you see it back in, in the camera angle from behind the goal, I'm sure that's Charlie's oh, yeah, free I, kick. Yeah, you might be right, yeah. Do you know what, actually, I think I've been, we spoke about that game before and I got that confused again with the start of that match was actually really sunny and by the end it was when it was raining. Um, but that goal was amazing. Either that, I'm trying to think what other like, real kind of amazing strikes that I've seen, but... Charlie McGrews actually was a good one as well, but I think I'll go, go with Keith Singhams with that one. Um, what was the first, remember the first Scottish Cup final you worked at? It would have been 2001, the treble winning, Martin O'Neill's treble winning cup final. Yeah, so I'd started here at Celtic in the January, uh, January the 22nd, 2001. So I still remember the day. Yeah, I, I think everybody remembers the day they signed for Celtic. Yeah. So, um, and so that was a great season, that, you know, we were obviously just that dominant force and then just to be starting to be a part of it and then going to the, the cup final and um, it was a brilliant day and then afterwards 
<coughs> one of the colleagues, Joe Sullivan, and I, we went out afterwards and we went, Billy McNeil had a pub over the south side just off Victoria Road, so we, all, we ended up in there that night celebrating. It was, a, it was just a brilliant night, so that was a that was a great weekend. And then, you know, it's you mentioned earlier on about how, you know, this generation of fans, it's almost like the treble that's every other year, but when we won the treble back in 2001, that was the first one since... 1969, so we'd won the two under Jock Steen, and then that was Martin came in and done that. So uh, that was a great, a great occasion. Was Billy McNeil in the pub that night? I, do you know? I would like to say yes, and maybe he was. I don't remember <laughs> <laughs> for for uh, no for obvious for obvious yeah, reasons. Yeah, yeah but save yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is actually going to be the first Scottish Cup final I've worked at. I've been here at the club. I've only done League Cup finals. Um, but I actually did work at a Scottish Cup final in my last job, which was the year when St Johnston won it against, right. I think they did play Hibs in the final, it wasn't Sean Rooney scored, um, which well, again there was no fans at it. I thought it was, oh. it, was it not in Burnett they played? No, no. I, I'm, sure it was, I'm sure it was Hibs in the final, right. um, they won the League Cup as well that or year, they might, have, they, might have played, they might have played Dundee United in the League Cup right. final or something, I'm sure, I'm sure oh, Of course Hibs. they played both. They won both cups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you might be right. I remember going to, yeah, I went to the League Cup, I worked at the semi-finals of the League Cup and the final and then the same in the Scottish Cup and it was, it was rubbish because you were at Hamden and there was no fans and then Celtic weren't involved in any of them either but it was, you know, and you were kind of there and you kind of felt for the St Johnson fans because they didn't have the opportunity to, to get to that, to that final but yeah, that was the first one I I worked at, and uh, but yeah, this is going to be the first one. So if we don't win, then you know who you can play. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe your last one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then favourite Scottish Cup final. Yeah, I've I've spoke about this before on the podcast. It's the Centenary Cup yep. final for me. It was just it just everything about the day. Uh, from the moment I woke up in the morning, it was a sunny day. We went to the game, get picked up at High Street, me and my two pals decked out in Celtic strips by two Dundee United fans because they weren't sure how to get to Hamden, <coughs> which I thought was uh, obviously showed that they weren't, they didn't get there very often, but quite trusting just to stop in the centre of Glasgow and pick up three Celtic fans. The, the day was great, we won the cup and the kind of way that team kept going and winning those late dramatic games and then went to the Celtic story that night at the Pavilion. And then went back to a party at my, my pal's mum's house and we, we came in at about half twelve, one o'clock and we were greeted as if we'd played in the game, like we, we'd won the cup. Just It was just a perfect weekend and it was that, that moment where b- before like the reality of adult life of, you know, marriages and mortgages and kids, etc, etc, kick in, it was like the, the, the main priority in your life was just how do you get to Celtic game and that was just, that crystallised it for me. I think mine will have to be the Tom Rodrick Aberdeen final for everything that you said about it, the the emotions behind it. I, I I can't. Sometimes it's hard to think that you get so emotional over something, you get so invested into something, and it, honestly, that match felt like a matter of life and death. And where remember the chance that Aberdeen had for they're going down the right. And they cut it across. I think it was Johnny Hayes who cut it across. Um, trying to think, Kenny McLean. Yeah. And it it just goes behind them, and the feeling of relief when that 
when that was missing and you're just thinking, right, okay, we're going to be going into extra time and you're standing there trying to mentally prepare yourself for another 30 minutes of what we've just had. And when, when Roger scored, I, I actually don't think like I celebrated. It was more of like a, like this just outpouring of emotion and relief. And you, I was almost like in silence where this whole chaos just engulfed you. Yeah, an incredible day, an incredible night after that as well. Um, and in an honourable mention as well, I think we'd go to the treble treble hearts final in 2019 as well. Very, very similar, both finals, but you don't get that unless you have the first one. So that and the moment of scoring in the 94th minute, 93rd minute, the way the goal was, all that type of stuff. Uh, but yeah, they would be my two. But hopefully it's not as nerve-wracking this Saturday. Yeah. So it's funny when you're talking, and people who maybe are not into football or don't get it, and sometimes they'll be dismissive of the kind of emotion of that, like of how people get caught up in it and how you know people dismiss it as just a bunch of guys or a bunch of girls running about kicking a ball for 90 minutes. There's an element of me that feels sorry for people that they don't... I mean, I'm presuming they must have other passions in their life that would substitute for that, but you... Because it's not just about... It's not just about the game, it's not just about you. There's, like... You know, there's friends, there's family commitments, there's communities, there's, like, history, the whole thing. It's it's all wrapped up in this game that... that those moments where something like that happens and you're people, grown men, who maybe normally wouldn't cry are crying and, and you're kind of, like... You get it because you know what that feels like, and mm. so I feel you know there's almost a kind of sense of I wouldn't debate somebody who this. I would just say I feel sorry if you don't have something like that because I think we're lucky that we do. Because what else in life actually gives you if you score a goal in the ninety third minute? There's there's nothing else that really happens in life which makes you hug the person next to you and just let loose in that in that moment. Like even if you you go to a gig and someone plays your favourite song, you're not like jumping up and down screaming and go, like, yeah, you're enjoying it and you're you're singing along and stuff, but you're not whipping your top off and running around and all that type of stuff. You've never seen me at a Duran Duran gig. <laughs> and nor do I now. <laughs> but no, yeah. But it's like, a, for me, it's like, so I was saying to you, like, I remember memories of my gran and yeah. going, so that she would have been a Celtic fan and her dad would have taken her. So she, you know, in the early, early days, she was born in 1904, so she, her dad would have been going to see Celtic in the early days. So there's that connection. You remember that, you remember going, remember going with my dad, I remember going with my friends, taking my kids, and it's just, there's all those connections and threads through your life. And, you know, it is, it's a cliche, but like Celtic fans will always remember some of the, you know, the most significant days of their life, where it's like a new job, mm-hmm. marriage, kids being born, anything like that in relation to how Celtic, it's always bizarre how Celtic fans will tell you, you know, and they're talking about something that's not related to football, and they say, yeah, yeah, uh, we, we beat uh, we beat St Mullen 2-0 the day before, and you're like, first you go, how do you remember that? But then you do, because we're older. I know, I know. It's, and even just the way it almost takes over your life, where the season's not even over yet, but I'm already starting to think, so when the fixtures out for next year, and then you're, you're already starting to think ahead to that, and you know you're going to have to, like, plan just social events, everything around when the fixtures lie and when you can get to a game or people say, oh, can you come away that weekend? I'll, I'll wait to see when the fixtures are out and see if we're playing at home or what's happening. And it just it takes over. And that's why I always think that when you hear about 
fans that live in places, if you live in Ireland, or live in different places uh, down in England or up in up in the Highlands or wherever it may be, that you know you're born where you're born and you, you can't you can't choose that. Some of us are are fortunate enough in that sense that you live in Glasgow, that Celtic Park is the closest stadium to you. But for these people that Celtic takes over their life, where they have to travel and leave on a, a Friday and get back home on a Sunday and then go back to work on a Monday to then to do it all again the next weekend. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing. And, you know, this Saturday, there's going to be so many more people doing that journey for the for the last time of the season. And hopefully, yeah, we've just got another treble to celebrate for, for everybody this, this weekend. Um, the weekend passed as well. We had more reason to celebrate with the Women's Scottish Cup final winner, 2-0 victory over Rangers. We discussed it a little bit at the, the start of the show, but a brilliant achievement for them to go back-to-back with that Scottish Cup, also considering the pain they would have felt the weekend before, losing out on the league title in the closing minutes here at Celtic Park. But they, they deserved it. For, the, for their efforts this season, for what they put in, for what they put in in that game, their performance on Saturday at Hamden, the way that they stepped up and on that big stage in front of more than 10,000 fans and all the people that we watched at home, they stepped up and they delivered, they weren't overawed and I think this group of girls that are playing for that team have just been exceptional this season and the season before as well and it's exciting for maybe what they can, what they can do in the following years but just kind of looking back on that on Saturday just about the achievement like how, how would you sum that up for them? Well for me the biggest thing uh, what you touched on was you know the disappointment they would have felt the previous weekend when we were literally two minutes away from winning the league until Glasgow City scored and you know the trophy which had been on its way to Celtic Park basically the car did an about turn and headed over to Highbrooks for that that must have been devastating because you know you put so much effort in and they went on this great run and to get so close that that the challenge for them and the challenge for the management would have been to pick them up and so I think for me the biggest credit was they went into that game they didn't feel sorry for themselves they didn't feel that they had you know there was no negativity there was no didn't seem to be any sort of hangover as it were from from the previous weekend they'd obviously suffered for a couple of days but then totally focused on the game and and on the day they, they were by far the better team and I mean thoroughly deserved the win on the day but also for what they did for the season but I, th- I think for that team to have because we've seen it so often in the past that teams that suffer maybe that kind of last day disappointment in the league and then they've got a cup final to play they can't get up for it for whatever reason you know that maybe just that disappointment and then the other team takes advantage and I think it was brilliant the fact that they didn't allow that to happen and yeah I mean it was great to see I mean it's always we've said so many times it's always great to win a game against Rangers because it's your biggest rivals and to win it in a Scottish Cup final against the the biggest attendance of a a women's Scottish Cup final and for the first time at Hamden and the majority of fans were Celtic everything was just perfect it was a sunny day as well at Hamden yeah. Um, and we we thoroughly deserved to win. I, I got I got so much of a thrill of seeing seeing the fans and even when they're seeing it in commentary and being like, oh yeah, there's how many, but the majority of them are Celtic fans here. But it was only Celtic fans you could hear. Yeah. In the game as well. Yeah. And hopefully, we've said it before in the last couple of weeks when we played here against Glasgow City, and we won. Um, 
and then we played again in the last game of the league season and we broke the attendance again and then the games at Hamden and we've spoken before about is this going to be potentially like a seismic moment for the women's game in Scotland is it potentially going to be a, a moment you look back on in history and go that was the that was the turning point whether it is or not time will only tell but I think in the last month or so which was then seen again at the weekend with the number of fans that turned up for, for our side is that there seems to be a real connection now between supporter base and between the players and with that it, it helps in the team are winning and you get more of a feel good factor and more people are wanting to turn up as well but the, the girls and the team have have just taken that on and they've not been overawed by it and they've actually embraced the challenge of, okay, do you know what, we're going to play in front of 15,000 Celtic fans today, let's go and do it. And in the big moments, a bit like Angie's team, in the big moments, they just always seem to, to step up and I thought the performance in the weekend against Rangers was brilliant. I thought first half, it wasn't, it wasn't the, the best of... It wasn't the best of games. I thought in the second half we improved, but we didn't give Rangers a sniff at all in either period. No, and I, yeah, on the day we dominated. I, I, I just feel that this team are doing more than just you know winning, and, and obviously winning is important and it, it does generate interest. But I think they're very much aware, and again, they've they kind of shoulder that responsibility of being role models. And, and quite a few of the post-match interviews spoke about you know how far the games come that, that a lot of these players like Kelly Clark had said that when you know when she was starting out the idea of playing a cup final at Hamden in front of 10,000 fans would have just been beyond our wildest dreams to now be captain of the team that had done that that won it but I think they're so conscious of you know the next generation so there's there's girls who are coming through our academy all ages or there's girls who are going to those games and watching those games with their, their parents and who love football, who love Celtic and want to play, they've now got role models, they've now got something to aim for, they want to be the next Kelly Clark or Caitlin Hayes or, or whoever else is in that team. And it's now, it's an achievable goal, it's something that they can do because that's how far the game's come and I think it's it's a brilliant thing and I think this, the team, you know, those those players that I mentioned and others are, are great ambassadors for Celtic I think because they, they conduct themselves on the park in the right way, but also I think the way they speak about football, about Celtic, you can tell that they love the club. And so I, you know, I think it's going to be great in another 10 years, another 15 years, there'll be players playing for Celtic and they'll cite those players as influences and you think, that's amazing, that's why that's so important and why you just need to keep, you know, steady progress. You can see how it's progressed further in England you know, that's that's the way it's going in Scotland. It'll just maybe take a wee bit longer to get there. But things like Saturday is great. Next season, the challenge will be to go on and win the league. But then we've got European football. Hopefully they do. It's a different kind of format in terms of qualifying for the, the women's game. But you, you hope they can, you know, maybe get a wee bit of progress there and maybe fans get a chance to see a European game here in Glasgow, the Champions League the women's game. So those things are all really positive. And that is the thing to look forward to next season. And even just seeing how they'd reacted from not winning the title the previous weekend to then use that week, come back and win the Scottish Cup, that only, I think, fuels the excitement for what they can achieve next season, where they're not going to be sitting back over the summer and thinking, what could have been? They're going to use that as strength to then go, right, this is what we can learn from next season. This is what we've been amazing at in that season. And let's go again 
and try and go for the title. Because I think even when we spoke to, to people in the team at the start of the year, they were saying, you know, if they can go for the title, great, but the ambition was really to get Champions League football. I think that's probably going to turn now over the summer period where next year they're going to come in and think, no, we we want to go for that league title. It will be difficult because I think it's three teams that over the course of the season, you look at the points tally, obviously teams have won a trophy. That would make you suggest that they're all very evenly matched teams in that basis, so it will be difficult. But the excitement of winning our cup, the excitement of potential going for a league title next year again, and that European football, I think it's going to be a brilliant campaign for them next season and what's, what's been a brilliant campaign for them from this season as well. So, yeah, I, I think it rounds off, you know, to win the Scottish Cup like it will be and for, for Angie's team on Saturday, just to win that last game of the season, to go out in such a high, it's always just such a special moment for them. Yeah, and I mean, genuinely, they're probably, I mean, I obviously we're not privy to the discussions in here, but they must be looking at having to build a bigger trophy cabinet because we've won the Glasgow Cup, we've won the Youth Cup, we've won the Women's Scottish Cup, we've won the League, the Prem, Scottish Premiership, the League Cup, and then the Scottish Cup. So there's a there's a lot of, a lot of trophy. The only one we didn't win was the the Bragging Rights Cup, but we're all right with that. Well, talking about trophies, there is one trophy... Seamless link there. <laughs> yes, one trophy left to be handed over. And has this been, has this been titled as the Bragging Rights Cup? Is that what we're officially going at with it? Well, I'm, I'm going to be bragging about it all summer. So Yeah, so as you know, if you listen to the podcast every week, at the end we always go through our predictions for the week. And... You beat me throughout the season. And to be honest, I, I want you to hold my hands up. It was it was a pretty convincing victory for you. There was a couple of weeks where I would maybe score more than you, but I don't really think at any point I was leading throughout the season. And, you know, I think in the last couple of weeks, when it was pretty much you'd wrapped up the title, I think I, my points got up a little bit, so... I mean, what you don't end up sounding like Mullerville manager. <laughs> so I think, you know, I'll need to take that into next season and show that I'm closing the gap <laughs> on you. Um, because that's all that really matters, isn't it? Is how, is how much you can close the gap. And not actually about the success at all that you, you win. But to honour your success... Beautiful. The first annual Predictions Celtic View Podcast Trophy. How does it feel? It's, it's wonderful. <laughs> it's <laughs> always nice to lift some silverware. So that's going to take pride of place in my desk. For a year. <laughs> so every day you come in, that's the first thing you're going to see. See, I've, I've done a few post-match interviews after winning League Cups and after games we've won the title. This is not one I expected to be doing <laughs> this season. <laughs> I, I don't really want to come in and have to look at it all the time. I, I think I'll need to try and block you, block you off in some well, way. the challenge is to just, you need to do better next season. Yeah, do you know what I need to... If I, if I get the chance over, over the summer, maybe I have a, a word with you know, some of the, the managers of all the teams that have won for Celtic this season and see you know, what, what I can do in pre-season to come back next year because it was a bit of a pitiful effort, actually. I'm actually disappointed in myself more than anything else. You, really. should, you should be. <laughs> but yeah, all fuel for next season. I'll come back again stronger and I'll get my hands on that. But congratulations anyway. You, you thoroughly deserved it. Um, we'll be back again next week, Paul, uh, for our, our final podcast of the season to reflect on the, the Scottish Cup. So uh, maybe we could try and get the Scottish Cup in next week. If we, well, I don't week. know, because this, this trophy's staying here for next <laughs> week as well. 
Well, if we do win the treble, you can say, well, I don't want better. I want to catch a triple this year. <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll be back again next week. Hopefully you'll enjoy your Saturday, wherever you're watching the game, if you're getting to hand in. And hopefully we've got plenty more to celebrate. But for now, make sure you like and subscribe to the Celtic View Podcast and all your podcasts and channels so you never miss an episode. And do join us again next week. We'll be looking back on the game at Handon Park against Inverness. But for now, enjoy the rest of your week and enjoy the Scottish Cup final when it comes around. Hail, hail.